peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. What's up, guys? We are back with another weekly episode of the Softly Performance Podcast. Somewhat of the usual crew in the house. Our our in-house registered dietitian has now made it a habit to just ditch the boys on all the episodes. But guess what? One of them is back. Thing one is here. Thing back t- with a vengeance. Back with a vengeance. Thing two is still in California. Um, but a really good episode that we have for you guys today. Today we are talking about the thing pretty much everyone consumes on a daily basis, and that's genetically modified organisms. Um, I, I, in fact, I just had GMOs for lunch because I had smoked macaroni and cheese and it was delicious and I don't (laughs) think any of it was natural. (laughs) So, but with us today, we have a super cool guest, like an actual legit scientist, which I think is so cool. Pretty much. I think what everyone like wanted to be at some point in time when they were growing up, like we all did experiments and we all have an envision, like a vision of what we think scientists actually do, but we have a food scientist with us. So I'm going to kick it over to Brooke to introduce her, and then we're going to get right into it. Thanks for that. I'm really excited you're here. This is and Aaron's with us, and I know you as a food science babe, and I love to follow. I found you on Facebook, and I love to follow all the stuff you put out about science-based, what's actually happening, and real research, um, and on Instagram. It was great. So that's kind of how we connected. So I'm really glad that we got the chance to talk on a podcast about some of these really hot button topics that people put, in my opinion, a lot of emotion on, and they haven't thought through some of the science. So we're going to start from the beginning and the basics. Um, but first, I wanted to for you to just kind of like talk a little bit about you and your experience in the industry and what you do. Yeah, so I so I actually went to my degree is in chemical engineering. That's what I went to school for. Is like um, for breaking kinda, bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't make mess. But I don't. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I went to school for. Um, I ended up starting in the food industry at a conventional company, kind of like a big ingredient company. Um, it was actually a big corn milling plant in Iowa, more in an engineering role kind of realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be more in the product development side of things. So um, I ended up in their snacks development group, developing anything from granola bars to cereals, all that kind of stuff. Um, So that was over 10 years ago. And at the time, I actually was, you know, an organic food consumer. Um, I kind of believed all of those things that, that I, that, now that I've looked into the science really like realized I was wrong. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I used to be all about organic and non-GMO. I thought it was healthier. I thought organic was better for the environment. So, um, I, so after being at that company, um, I worked at more, uh, companies that market their products as, um, some, some products were organic, some products were non-GMO, so I've worked kind of on, in both sides of the industry. Um, and it was kind of when I was working at those organic and non-GMO companies that, so I was the one that had to source the non-GMO organic ingredients. I had to get the products non-GMO verified. And kind of while I was doing that, I was kind of realizing like, wow, like this doesn't really actually mean it's healthier, you know, kind of questioning like my beliefs, like, you know, like I always thought this stuff was healthier. Like this doesn't really make any sense to me. And 
I still believed it. And then it wasn't really until I became a mom, like three years ago, just kind of realizing all of the fear mongering, like, especially towards moms, like, just like, oh my gosh, if I feed my kid this, am I, you know, am I, am I hurting them? Just all that kind of stuff. And I was like, so sick of it. You know, it's like, if I don't buy her the organic pureed teas, like, is she going to be eating pesticides? You know, like, so I like started really looking into it, you know, cause I was just sick of like feeling like guilty if I didn't buy organic non-GMO for her. Um, so then when I started actually looking at the science, I was like, wow, this is, this is not at all what I believed. Um, so then, yeah, so then I decided to kind of start my page just to kind of combat all the misinformation that's out there. That's awesome. So I, just a quick question. So, cause I mean, we, we hear a lot of terms thrown around a lot. So the, is there a difference between organic and non-GMO? Like, are those two separate things or are those kind yeah. of like, does non-GMO mean well, organic? they're kind of intertwined, but they're, they are different. So non-GMO means, um, so the non-GMO project basically defines a GMO as a transgenic crop, which is one, one way that uh, genes can be modified. So a crop can be modified uh, via transgenesis, which is what everyone thinks of when they think of GMOs, like in a gene being inserted in a lab. So that's what they define as a GMO. However, there are other methods of genetic modification, such as crossbreeding, which has been happening for thousands of thousands of years. People don't consider that a GMO. Um, however, it is a way that genes are modified. Um, also, mutagenesis is one that a lot of people don't know about, and I feel like if they did know about it, they would be, they would wonder how it's not considered a GMO. But basically, uh, radiation is used to uh, alter the genes of seeds. Um, so that's been happening since the 30s. Thousands of crops have been modified this way. Um, so, so crops that are modified via those two methods can be labeled non-GMO and organic. Um, Even when so, they're treated with radiation? That kind of blows yeah, my mind. So the interesting thing, and that's one thing I like recently learned about, because like nobody hears, nobody knows what mutagenesis is. Nobody knows about these things. And it's interesting because that, that genetic modification technique started in the 30s, kind of before Greenpeace and all these activist groups were around to really get people scared about it. Um, all of these methods create perfectly safe foods. That's not the issue, but it's just the arbitrary definition of GMO. Like why, why all of a sudden, you know, in the, in the seventies when trans transgenesis started being a thing, you know, it was just like, I think it's just the whole thing. Like, Oh, they bring it into a lab and they're, you know, they're inserting a gene. Like it sounds scary, but the end result can have, you know, they're, they're selecting for the same traits as they would be for crossbreeding or the immunogenesis. So like everyone's really concerned about the process when in actuality, like the safety has to do with the end product, regardless of how it was made. Um, so it's interesting, like the non-GMO project defines a GMO as a crop that has been modified via transgenesis. Um, so they're so, the ones who defined and made the term essentially because they're the ones, the sticker that you see, right, on products. Yeah, so that's what's interesting. Like the scientific community doesn't doesn't even necessarily use the term GMO. Like so, so there's a new USDA label that's going to be uh, mandatory for bioengineered foods, which is the more correct term 
for crops bred via transgenesis. Um, so it's so confusing because the term GMO, like they kind of made their own definition for it, but it doesn't even really make sense because like all these other things could technically be considered GMOs because they're all genetic modification mm -hmm. techniques. But they kind of took it, made their own made their own definition for it, kind of like we're going to define only transgenic crops as GMO because there was fear around them. There was a, there was a, you know, they could make a business out of people's fear saying these don't contain these things you're afraid of. So it was kind of like, that's what everyone kind of like thinks of when they think of GMO now is like mm -hmm. transgenic crops. Like performance enhancing drugs. Like no one really For knows. Plants. Well, right. I mean, like no one really knows what performance enhancing drugs are. Like the definition varies amongst the athletic community. But I think that's really interesting because I mean that really gets into the the politicization of food, the food industry. You know, and like because you right. can if you because that's the thing. Like when you look at the food trend, because I mean, if I followed what you were saying, you know, you're you're talking like yeah, the crossbreeding of crops that have taken place over the last several thousand years. You know, right. And then we get to this like radiation treated genes where we start talking, you know, that's in like the thirties, you know, and then we start seeing like this health craze. So it's like, you know, the, the health craze starts at the same kind of like, you know, during this upswing of people being just more conscious about what they eat and together they can like drive consumers towards particular products and then drive them away from particular products with both industries. Cause I mean, if anything's true about fitness, I mean, you need both nutrition and fitness put together to be truly effective. So it's like, you know, we've almost, right. you know, we've, I mean, and let's be honest, like we've declared war on processed foods, you know I mean? And, and yeah. it's not, and that's not saying that like, I guess like the way I've always seen it was, you know, we always get told, you know, shop around the perimeter mm -hmm. of the grocery store, you know? And, but the reason why is that it's not, it's the nutrition content of what's in the aisles is not optimal, not the fact that it's processed. Yeah, to me, it's more of a, if it's in a box or a bag, it's usually got more sugar, higher fat, higher sodium. Right, so I'm, I'm concerned about right. the nutrition content of the food. I'm not concerned about how the food is made. Because you can have organic, non-GMO processed crap that's full of sugar that you shouldn't be eating anyway. It just has right, a, a fancy that, sticker on it. Right, and it's still, yeah. but it's still with a lot of sugar. and Right, it, and that's the issue with these, you know, like it's a perceived health halo when you see a product non-gmo organic people not everyone but a lot of people are like oh that's healthier like organic is healthier like the usda you know the certifying body of organic usda certified organic i mean they even say like our label has nothing to do with the safety and the nutrition of the food like it's just so organic is a set of uh, farming practices that organic farmers have to follow so that's what organic is so there's a set of standards that farmers have to follow in order for their um, foods to be labeled USDA certified organic. So, so that's what organic means. It, it, it has nothing to do with how safe the food is, how nutritious the food is. Um, but a lot of people perceive it as that. They perceive, you know, like you put a label like saying this doesn't contain this. Consumers typically are like, oh, well, that must be bad. Why would they specifically put non-gmo like gmos must be bad why would they have that label you know and like it's just not true it's like when you see i swear i saw like packaged meat and it was like gluten-free and i'm like what exactly. the fuck like yeah. no shit it's gluten-free like yeah. right. it's just a, yeah. it's and a marketing i think there's so much more like yeah like antibiotic free i mean like 
no meat on the market has antibiotics in it. I mean, they have to make sure there's not any, you know, even if it's used on the animals, like the end product, like you're not eating antibiotics in your meat. So just like, there's so many marketing terms like that. Like you said, like the gluten-free, I mean, non-GMO has their label on bottled water and salt. Like these things don't even have genes. Why on earth would you? <laughs> but that's, <laughs> you, but that's you know huge. I mean? like, like it's all about money. That's all it comes. Like yeah. it's a business. Like people and don't realize the non-GMO project man. is a business. That's so true. And and it's like so. You know what's what's funny is that you know we you know as as a consumer you know you you want to be a knowledgeable consumer, right? So we talk about consumers having the right to know like what's in their food, right? And then, you know, big businesses take advantage of it. Like, okay, I'm going to inundate you with so much information that you're not even going to be able to process all of it and then tell you and then create a fear around certain certain terminology to the point where you, if, if two bottles of salt like you just said, neither of which have genes, one of which is like someone just tossed a freaking USDA organic salt stamp on there, gluten-free salt, which doesn't make <laughs> yep. any sense whatsoever. <laughs> you'll, you're more like, because if you're on this gluten-free diet, you're more yeah. likely to pick this gluten-free bottle of salt, even though salt doesn't have gluten in it, period, because you're just like, right. all you know, like, oh, I, I've done my research. I know I'm not supposed to eat gluten or whatever. Therefore, this gluten-free bottle of salt must be the best thing for me. And therefore, yeah. and therefore I'm going to spend $8 at Whole Foods on my, right. <laughs> on my fancy schmancy bottle of like organic table salt. Exactly. When, and it's yeah. like, so yeah, I, that, that's so fascinating to me because and at I'm, least like gluten-free is actually like, you know, people have an allergy to gluten. So like, you know, I get it. Like sometimes that can be helpful, obviously not yeah. on things that don't, you know, contain gluten in the first place, but you know, at least like that is something people have an allergy to like GMOs. Nobody has an allergy to GMOs. Like they're not, uh, they're not less healthy. They're not less safe. So like, why, like, why, why do we need to know that this, you know, like doesn't, and it's not even that it doesn't contain, it's like, it literally just means that it doesn't contain foods that have been modified via transgenesis like well now i'm more concerned about mutagenesis anyway and it's not there's not a label <laughs> for that point, right though. like you don't need to be like all all of the modification techniques create products that are just as safe as you know like if you wouldn't have modified the gene so yeah i mean the whole the whole fear mongering you know comes about because because of these groups that create fear around it. And then, you know, companies that capitalize off of that fear. Um, so it just keeps perpetuating and getting, you know, and like people, I mean, I think there was a survey, 70% of people don't even really understand what genetically modified food is, you know, yet they're buying non GMO because they think it's healthier, but they literally don't even know what it means. Right. No, I, that's, but that's, but that's how the industry works, right? It's like you, right. you know, people, people want information. So you give them a ton of information and then they don't even still don't even really do their research. And they right. just like, all they knew is they distilled down to a principle that, okay, non-GMO equals healthy. And therefore I must spend now more money buying the non-GMO product that really doesn't really is not healthier or not healthier. Right. Yeah. So then, yeah. I mean, there's another argument. A lot of people think that, um, you know, non-GMO crops and organic farming is better for the environment, but the science doesn't support that either. So, 
Well, I have a question yeah. for you. In organic farming, they use, I guess, organic pesticides, supposedly. Yeah. Is there a difference? I mean, is there a difference? I don't so, really understand how that works. Yeah, so it's a, it's a complicated, I mean, it's, yeah. So the thing with pesticides, so yes, uh, conventional farmers have a lot more choices to pick from because they can use synthetic. They can also use utilize the pesticides that organic farmers can use. So they have a wide variety that, that they can use. Um, organic farmers only have a certain number of uh, organic pesticides, natural pesticides. Some synthetic pesticides are approved for organic use as well. Um, so the thing with pesticides is you can't just say like, oh, we use this one, it's less toxic. It's because it has to do, I mean, that has to do with like how much is used, you know, like how toxic is it? You know, does that, is it worse for the environment? So like, so a farmer could be using uh, you know, a pesticide with really low toxicity, but they're using a lot of it versus, you know, a pesticide with lower or higher toxicity and they're using less of it. So like, it doesn't just have to do with like what it is. It's like how much yeah. are they using all that stuff. But regardless of all of that, any pesticide residues on any produce are at such tiny levels. Like there's no reason for, anybody to be concerned about consuming pesticide residues like it's ridiculous how low the amounts are on both conventional or organic so all the fear-mongering around life is they you know all you know all that kind of stuff it's like it's just there's the the data doesn't support it at all i mean the, the pesticide residues are so incredibly tiny you'd have to eat I, I did the calculation for the the EWG put out their report of glyphosate and breakfast food. So I I did the calculations. Uh, my daughter's three years old. She's thirty pounds. She would literally have to eat one hundred cups or bowls of Cheerios a day for an ex extended period of time to reach a level of glyphosate that might cause concern. So like the, like <laughs> that's, that's how that's how ridiculous like these things are and like people just read the headlines and they're like oh my god I'm throwing away my Cheerios you know it's like come on like you got to look at the you got to look at the data and and I understand like I understand how to do those calculations and stuff most people like just read it and they get scared and they're like well I'm not going to take the chance but like you're not taking a chance also organic uses pesticides too right like they're only they're only testing for this one pesticide. Like they don't test for organic pesticides, but if they did, they would be in there as well. So, That's yeah, it's just so. Fear, yeah. So let me ask you this then, because I mean, I, I'm sure anyone listening up to this point in the podcast probably has the same like burning health questions that like so when when you look at some of the fear mongering that's been you know perpetuated throughout the last like half century, because I mean, obviously we've we've come to the conclusion up to this point that GMOs are nothing new. Um, but when you look at the, you know, the rise in certain diseases, cancer, you know, just a bunch of like the general health of the United States or the world, for example, and how people attribute that to, you know, these non-organic, not healthy foods that are being produced in a lab, is there any science behind that to support that conclusion? Um, as far as pesticide use goes, like obviously the, the people that are going to be exposed to it at the highest levels are the farmers. Um, so yes, definitely the, you know, that they need to wear proper PPE and they need, you know, they need to make sure they're using the proper precautions. Um, yeah, I mean, like 
organic pesticides can be just as toxic or even more toxic than the synthetic pesticides. So they all have to kind of be taken on a case-by-case basis. Um, As far as pesticides over time, the pesticides that are being used now, such as glyphosate, are way safer, way less toxic than, than, you know, 30 years ago. So they're, they're constantly creating newer, better pesticides. The, the thing with organic is they're not able to use, like, they're not able to use some of the synthetic pesticides that could be less toxic and could actually be better for the environment because based on the USDA organic standard, they have to stick with these natural ones that aren't necessarily less toxic. So it's not really like an organic versus conventional thing. Um, you know, everyone thinks, Everyone hears, oh, you know, they're drenching the crops in glyphosate and stuff like that. I mean, farmers literally use, it's like two pop cans worth of Roundup per acre, and only 40% of Roundup is glyphosate. I mean, it's like this, it's a tiny amount. They're not just like, all of these things are inputs to farmers too. You have to realize like, they're not just going to be like spraying things unnecessarily. I mean, it's money. It's right. cost to them. So like, these are businesses. These are family businesses. They eat the food they produce. Like they're not trying to kill people. It doesn't even make sense. They're trying to, they're trying to make money. They're going to do what's best for their farms as far as, you know, like the soil goes and all that kind of stuff. So it just doesn't make sense that like they would be dousing their crops in, in, you know, toxic chemicals because they have to eat the food too. And they, and they, it's a business for them. So they're not going to be spending money on pesticides that they don't need to be. Yeah. When I was, I was talking to someone about this issue and they talked about how Costco pulled Roundup. And then um, I was reading about how it's actually when it comes to dousing the environment, like with pesticides, it's not farmers because they have margins to meet. So they're trying to, like you're saying, kind of be smart about it. And they're not just like drowning everything in Roundup. It's actually the people that are like trying to kill weeds on the driveway cracks that are just like overusing things that don't need to be there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there are some farmers that have, you know, overused it and, and it, you know, it happens, but at the same time, so the whole thing with Roundup and glyphosate, like it is one of, one of the safest, most effective, best for the environment, uh, herbicides that farmers have available today so the thing that just annoys me with that is like if that is if that is banned which is what is happening because of unnecessary consumer fears it will most likely be replaced with something that's more toxic so just the consumer perception of it is so bad you know people are so against it but why aren't we talking about the organic pesticides some some of which are even more toxic i mean it just doesn't make sense to single out one pesticide. Well, and I think that's, I mean, that that's definitely just part of the, like that fear mongering approach. I think the, you know, the, the general stereotype, you know, even, even when it comes from the long-term health effects of, you know, GMO versus not GMO, it sounds like, if, I mean, if everything that, I mean, I believe everything you're saying is that, that the side effects are still relatively theoretical, right? Like we, we, we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, there have been some pesticides in the past, like, you know, 1970s that have that have been linked to Parkinson's is one of them. It was actually an organic pesticide. Um, so it's restricted use now. A lot of these a lot of these these things that have been shown to have negative effects 
um, are restricted now, and that's why we have better pesticides. But as far as the whole Roundup glyphosate thing goes, you know, everyone talks about it causing cancer. Like, there have no studies have have shown that it caused cancer. The scientific consensus is that there is no link to cancer. You know, everyone brings up the trial where the the guy, you know, was paid by Monsanto because they they found that that it did cause his cancer, but that's not that's not based on science. That's based on a jury of 12 people, you know, like being convinced that it causes cancer. So a lot of people cite that as like evidence, like that's not scientific evidence. Yeah. I saw that recently because I, people do talk about how he was paid in this court case. So I was wondering what the research said. Was this just a one-time thing? I And then when I started looking into it, it looked like there might be, like they're trying to do a class action. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really yeah. sure. I don't know yeah. a lot about so it. There's a lot of, now, now that he won, obviously, everybody that has used Roundup in their life and has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is trying to sue them because he got money. Why can't I get money? So, but regardless, it's, it's not, it's not evidence that it does. Um, there, glyphosate is one of the most studied chemicals. Like it's been studied over and over and over, like hundreds of thousands of studies have been done on it. And there's not one that shows a link to cancer. So it's just, that's crazy. Not supported by the science. So, I mean, so, so let me ask you this, so back to like big picture then is there, so we talk about, you know, the, the fear mongering that kind of puts, you know, non GMO and not organic foods into this kind of like this dark category. Is there, you know, are there science or studies that back the opposite? This is, you know, if we genetically modify food and organisms, whatever, they actually yield a higher nutritional benefit than they would otherwise if they were just found in nature. Yeah. So, I mean, there are specifically uh, genetically modified foods for that. If they're, if they're modifying them for that reason, for example, there's a uh, rice called golden rice that um, they're trying to get approved in places like the Philippines. A lot of children have vitamin A deficiencies. Right, so you infuse rice so, with vitamin A. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a lot of kids are uh, going blind and actually thousands are, are dying a year from vitamin A deficiency. Um, the sucky thing is, is all this, you know, anti-GMO scare tactics and stuff kind of goes over into these countries who actually can, you know, GMOs are saving lives in these countries. So, that's what we don't realize. Like we're so fortunate to have an abundance of food here. You know, we have the privilege to say like, Oh, GMOs are bad. We don't want GMOs. Cause like if they were banned here, we would still have plenty of food. You know, that spills over into third world countries where literally if GMOs aren't approved, like people are going to die. So, you know, like we don't see the urgency here and a lot of, a lot of what is happening in these third world countries with genetically modified foods, is saving lives. Um, there's, yeah. So, I mean, so to answer your question, like there are certain um, instances where they do create genetically modified foods to increase the nutritional value. So, so would, if that is, yeah. Would yep. uh, fortifying foods in the United States, I mean, they've added things to like a lot of processed grains. Would that be considered a form of GMO then? Well, not unless they, not unless they specifically create it via transgenesis. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. Like, that's right. Yeah. Got it. So, so that's what, that's how they created this, uh, rice with, with extra vitamin A in it. They created it via transgenesis. Um, so it's considered a GMO. So there, yeah. 
So it's it, it, a lot harder to get something, you know, approved just because of all the unnecessary fear around GMOs. So what does the science say about the safety then if it is, you know, transgenesis or mutagenesis, I'm assuming these things are researched and like pretty heavily. And I have a hard time, first of all, finding human studies. Everything I find is rats and animals, which can tell you a little bit. But has any yeah. of this really been researched in, in detail? And what does the science say about the effects like and long term yeah. effects really, too? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess obviously uh, through traditional breeding, like we've been eating those for thousands of years. And so, you know, we're not, we're not concerned about that. Right. Um, mutagenic crops have been around since the thirties. There's thousands of crops that have been developed that way. So like, nobody's really scared of that. It's just the fact that like this new method has been around only for 20 years. Um, there hasn't been one case of, you know, ill effects that have happened because somebody ate, you know, GMOs. Um, and just the fact that the end product can be created via all these different methods. So why, why would it be less safe that it was created via a more selective, a less random process? So that's the other thing that's really interesting is that transgenesis is highly regulated. It takes on average 13 years for a transgenic crop to be in the marketplace just because of all of the testing that has to be done. Whereas crossbreeding and mutagenesis is basically unregulated. Those two methods are highly random. Uh, mutagenesis creates very random mutations. Transgen transgenesis, like they, it's very selective. They know exactly what they're changing. Not, you know, there's not very many random mutations that happen with that. Yet it's the one that's highly regulated. It doesn't really make well, sense. Well, because sense. we're, I mean, natural human i mean this is this is applying a very not scientific approach but natural human tendency is to absolutely fear the unknown you know when you know we talk about you know the whole idea of changing genes you know when applied to living organisms like you you, you cross into i feel like this ethical realm of human behavior where it's like it start it's like well you start doing it with crops you know can we do it with humans next like i want my baby to have brown eyes and i think I you have can do that yeah well but i mean like but, <laughs> i think that's a real thing well but that's but but it raises an ethical question to be like where is the where is the boundary that we set for ourselves when it comes to reg because what 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 ultimately ends up happening you know you change and i'm not again i'm not disagreeing let me i'll put that out there i, I think me me personally i think we've we've created the need for gmos and and then we demonize them you know like you want to talk about like like we have, we've, we've created a war, you know, we, we have a world population that pushes, you know, almost 9 billion people. Like there, there is no more room for mm -hmm. everyone to live healthy and organic. Like we need processed foods. You know, when you create a world population boom that forces billions to be malnourished and then demonize like the golden rice that literally tries to change that. You know, right. it's like, it's like, you know, what, what do you want? You and know, we still have so many food deserts in the United States. You right. Know? Yeah. So, you know, so, and, and that's the thing. So it's like, but, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you start altering the genetic makeup of the things you're eating, you're now, I mean, I'd be curious to know, even from a, from a nutritionist standpoint is that because, and we've done several podcasts on, you know, the I think two episodes ago on the, on the gut microbiome and how, 
how our gut interacts with the food that we eat. So now we're not just impacting the food that we eat. We're actually changing the microbiome makeup of an individual, which then gets passed over onto our kids and then our our kids' kids. And then and, and we're, we're slowly altering the genetic makeup of humanity, even by starting with something so small. So, I mean, it's not, I, I do, I mean, it's, you know, the USDA, it's a government bureaucracy, like all, you know, government bureaucracy. So it takes a long time to do anything, but I don't know. I mean, like, is there, I mean, I, I there do. There definitely has been a lot of claims. Like there's this book uh, called Wheat Belly. That's one of them. There's been a lot of talk about how, consuming things that are not, I guess it wasn't really about GMOs. It was more about related to pesticides. And so they talk about these things in theory, but my problem is I have not, you know, like Aaron is saying, really read studies where this is true because to me, referencing a a book is not enough. Like I want to see the actual scientific studies. And so I think still it's just a theory. Actually, I'm sure they were citing, there's a study by, uh, I think her name is Stephanie Seneff. That was basically, I think it was showing that um, it was either GMOs or glyphosate, something like that was altering the microbiome. And it's, it's like the Seralini study study. It's not that she used deductive reasoning, like the evidence didn't support the conclusion. A lot of people take these studies and they, they cite them and it's, it's not a legitimate study study to be citing. I mean, like, why again that goes back to like why would why would something that's modified via transgenesis which is you know more selective less random why would it create you know worse health problems for us than than things that have been you know you're you're altering the genes via crossbreeding as well so oh yeah is the same, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to hear about that study because I've seen it debated. What happened with the, um, sir, is it Serrani? I don't want to say that. Seralini. Seralini. Yeah. Like an Ita- yeah. Italian name. Yeah. What, what happened? Um, Cause I feel like yeah. it was retracted. So anytime that gets brought up, I, it was, re- yeah, it was retracted. So, um, it has no place, you know, in, in the debate whatsoever, but he basically took mice, um, fed them, GMO corn that was also had been sprayed with glyphosate um, and they ended up getting tumors. Well, he used, he used a breed of rat that just gets tumors typically regardless of what they're eating. So you can't conclude at all that it was due to what, you know, the GMOs or glyphosate. He used a super small sample size. Just the whole thing was just pretty much bogus. It was retracted people always bring that one up and it has they do. merit to it. Whatsoever. Yeah. Well, if it's been retracted by the scientific community yeah. as not being a valid study, then you right. can't use it in an argument. And it hasn't been replicated. They've tried to replicate it. it, it you know, it just isn't valid. Well, I just like, I mean, I speak from, I mean, I, I by no means I'm a scientist or a researcher. I just like, I, I try to look as my, my study is just the thing that I see around me. It's like, you know, you have, you have billions and billions of meals that is that is being consumed at any moment in time, like across the world, right? You mm-hmm. know, and 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 the population is only continuing to expand, which means people are living longer, dying right. slower, 
And it is a, you know, if you need food to survive and we've essentially from the processes that we've outlined have basically genetically modified everything in some way, shape or form, obviously as a, as a whole, you know, big hand, little map, just, you know, use the logic. Uh, this is clearly good for humanity. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the thing also like, you know, conventional versus organic farming. I mean, like we need to feed a growing population where, you know, conventional, you can grow a lot more food on a lot less land, you know, like we need to feed people. Like we can't just, you know, like, Oh, I, you know, I believe organic is better. So we should do this. And then people are going to starve. Like it just, it's just not what we need to do to feed a growing population. And I, I mean, I, I will say, and this is just, I mean, purely from a consumer standpoint. So I, I think, you know, a, a nugget that if I'm, you know, if I'm just listening to this podcast, I think what you should take away from at least the discussion up to this point in time is that judge food based on like whether or not a food is good for you is based on the nutritional content of the food and your specific dietary needs, not necessarily the process of how it got there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And whenever, yeah, whenever they create, uh, you know, transgenic crops, especially since those are so highly regulated, I mean, they have to test them to make sure that the nutritional profile is exactly the same as the non-GMO counterpart. So that's one of the things that they have to test before they can be approved. So we know that the crops that have been modified via transgenesis are you know aren't any less nutritious see and i'd be curious and i and this is again because i i'm i'm a firm believer in how like psychology just works on so many different levels and like i'll, I'll give you a, a, a rudimentary example i love meat right like i love to eat meat and and i'd be curious you know i i mean and i've very much been you know i grew up in a time you know definitely led to believe that you know organic is always better but also organic is tastier Right. Like, can you can like is but is that is that a byproduct of me just hearing the line over and over and over again that organic must be therefore well, it's I, like I, what happy cows taste better. Exactly. Like, like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, but I mean, like, but so like that, but like we because organic food, and it could be. I mean, like, that's the thing, too. Like, if you enjoy organic and you think it tastes better, like, by all means, like, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say like, oh, nobody should eat organic. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you think it tastes better, great. I mean there are certain things that happen to be USDA organic certified that I still purchase because I just like them. You sure. know, like, I'm you know really, what I mean? But yeah. I'm not purchasing them because I think they're healthier or I think they're better for the gotcha. environment. Okay. But I think when it comes to animal products, it's like a whole different ethical issue. Like I'm super picky about the animal products I consume, but it's more to me, has well, to do with but, like animals and ethics and it's a personal thing. Okay. Well, no, and that's totally fine. I mean like, you know, vegan and all that stuff like i i definitely understand you know the the moral obligation that people feel to the the living creatures that we ultimately consume and i think up to this point you know we've talked a lot about plant-based you know we talk about pesticides talk about growing stuff you know now let's let's transition over to animal products so it's like how does how does the not gmo or gmo argument apply now with like living organisms cows chickens yeah so as far as non-gmo goes like Basically, it just means that the animals are not are eating non-GMO feed. So, um, so that's what non-GMO means when it comes to meat. However, the meat wouldn't necessarily have GMOs in it, whether the animal ate GMOs or not. Anyways, so it's kind of like okay, really, like kind of like not kind of like the salt thing, not as bad, but like right. 
Gluten-free I mean, the meat. end product's not going to have GMOs in it either that way. cracked me up. Gluten-free um, meat. Well, <laughs> yeah. I do. And well, when it comes to animals, it's, it is a little different because they've done studies where they look at the meat grass-fed versus grain-fed. Nothing to do with GMOs. And there mm-hmm. is a compositional difference as far as yep. certain micronutrients. So I think yeah. to me that's more important in my mind. Yeah. Um, so and, like, you know, I'm also like yeah, a local Tarian. So like I want to, I want to, you know, I want to support local farms. I, I have gone and seen the cows and the pigs that I eat. I'm spoiled with left right. bank butchery. But um, so to me, I think as a consumer, I would encourage people to think about that stuff more than the non-GMO yeah, corn feed. Definitely. At the same time, there is also a lot of fear mongering, you know, around factory farms and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff isn't true either. So, I mean, just like I said, you know, with farmers wanting their land to be good, wanting to create healthy, you know, crops, like they're, they're not, you know, just pumping their animals full of antibiotics for the fun of it. That's an input to the, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like they're used as they're supposed to be used. I mean, if your kid is sick and they need antibiotics, you're going to give your kid antibiotics. Like these things are used as they need, as they need to be used. And they're not, they're not, there's no data to show that any of these things are making the end product less healthy. Um, as, as far as like grass fed versus grain fed beef, a lot of beef that is grass fed is finished with grain. Um, the, there are compositional differences. And if, if that's, you know, if that matters to you, then great. But it doesn't mean that like if they ate, you know, if it's, if it's grain fed somehow it's like horrible for you. You know what I mean? Like these things aren't. They're very, very small yeah, things. yeah. And if you have the like luxury, the content is more right. If you have that luxury to decide and, you know, budget for that, that's fine. Right. But a lot of people don't yeah. have that. So I don't think it's yeah. fair to surround it with a lot of fear yeah, and make exactly. someone think they're making exactly a wrong choice. exactly what the, what is, you know, like it is detrimental when there is all this fear around it because, you know, people that have that are able to buy organic and they feel better if they eat organic and they believe in it, like, great, do that. But like people, so then people that can't afford organic and they're being told, you know, by, you know, the dirty dozen list, you know, like, oh, you should definitely buy all these, you know, 12 fruits and vegetables organic because it's, you know, all these other ones are just covered in pesticides. So then what that leads to is people just eating less produce, which is, you know, and like the conventional produce isn't, isn't less safe, isn't less healthy. And they're being scared, you know, into like, oh my gosh, I have to buy organic of these which is more expensive. They can't buy as much. So it's like, it's, it's making people that can't afford organic buy organic because they're scared of conventional and then just not, not eating as much produce produce as they should be eating. So the fear mongering, I mean, it's like, it is detrimental, you know, for people because they're scared of foods that they shouldn't be scared of and, and foods that are really healthy fruits and vegetables. Right. Well, I want to know more about the list because I saw you were comparing um, their list that they put out. Was it the EPA that puts this out versus what the actual was it actual from the USDA pesticide levels? And you were kind of looking at that. So the USDA has a has a program where they test the pesticide residues on both conventional and organic produce. So what the EWD EWG does is they take this data and that's what they create their dirty dozen list from. So it's the USDA pesticide data 
Um, so what the EWG does to create their dirty dozen list is they literally create the list based on just how many pesticides are detected on something. So like, let's say strawberries, they detected eight pesticides. That's going to be higher up on their list than apples where maybe five pesticides were detected. They don't take into account how much is on there, what the actual pesticide is. So like, that's interesting. So it doesn't really make sense. I feel like but the amount also, that was actually on there, if that's what you cared about, would be what mattered, not the exactly ma- like yeah the variety. Right. No, they're just they literally create that list based on like oh this one has more that were detected, but like the entire thing is even if they did take into account you know the the amount and what it was, even if they did take that into account, these levels are so incredibly small. Like they're they, they're measured in parts per billion. Like, just to give you an idea, like, one part per billion is one second out of 32 years. Like, it's insane how small these these levels are almost not even able, like, they're not even, they're almost undetectable. So then question Um, for you, when they do the research on the pesticides, I'm assuming they're putting a lot more in there than this parts per billion, right? So, like, when they actually, so when they're doing research and they're researching pesticides, I'm assuming they're probably doing very, very high doses that you're realistically not going to have on your food. Yeah. So the, so that's a, yeah, that's a good point. So the EPA, so all these pesticide residue levels are based off of, um, tests done by the EPA. So the EPA sets these levels, like what's an acceptable level of pesticides, you know, on this produce. And, and when that's why they test these things. So they need to make sure they're not over that level, Okay. which, you know, they, typically aren't because they're on there at such low levels. Um, So the EPA sets that level based on toxicology, a lot of different tests done on animals. So they set the no observable adverse effects level, um, which is what they have found in animals like, you know, okay, this amount creates this, you know, effect or whatever. They take that and they build in a safety factor of, hundreds to thousands so they divide that number by like 100 to a thousand to get the adi which is the acceptable daily intake which is kind of weird when you're talking about pesticides like how can there be an acceptable level of pesticides people can ingest <laughs> you but can only is. take in this much pesticides <laughs> yeah. and not it's above really this level to think about but like yeah that's the other thing too it's so hard for people like you know like it's synthetic pesticide like how can there be an acceptable level i mean there is like just because it's synthetic doesn't mean it's you know, more, you know, more toxic than a natural pesticide. So all of these things have acceptable levels. So they determine that acceptable daily intake based on that safety factor that they, that they put into there. And then from that level, the actual pesticides detected are hundreds to thousands of times even lower than that. So like you would literally have to eat like literally the food would kill you before the pesticides would kill you is basically what I'm trying to say. Like there's such a small amount, like you'd have to eat so much food to get to that level of pesticides that like you would die from eating the food first. <laughs> like it's that ridiculous. So like any fear mongering around any pesticide residues whatsoever is just not warranted at all. And it, and it creates this fear and people end up eating less fruits and vegetables because of it. Well, I feel like if Whole Foods doesn't sue us for putting up this episode, I mean, I, 
<laughs> I mean, it just it like it literally, but it's so true though. Like, right? I mean, fear mongering. Like the the key word from all this has been fear mongering, and it's not to say that you know, yes, are you know, generally speaking, are pesticides kind of unhealthy? Sure, okay, you know, but at at higher, much higher levels than what you're probably going to be exposed to in your foods. Yeah, exactly. You know? And but it's like, man, like everything, like that whole industry combined with all the other things, like they all work hand, like we, we create the problem and then we solve the problem at the same time. You right. know, like, like the fear creates the problem and then industry solves the problem on some level. And same thing with the pharmaceutical industry. Like you literally have drugs that cause side effects that are solved then by other drugs. And then your, right. your, your accumulation of prescription medication just continuously rises you know, and it's like, man, it's like, you know, wh- where does it ever stop? You know, and and then especially when you look forward into the future, like, where is it all going? I mean, obviously, we've. I think it's safe to say that GMOs are not going to go anywhere. Like, there's no, there's no reversing the process. Like, once once we started down that path, we have no choice but to continue down that path. And you know, time will ultimately be the kind of determining factor on whether or not like all this stuff is going to be okay. Like, I mean, if if I grow a third arm in, you know, 10 years and then blame it on the pesticides from my, from my Cheerios. I mean, like, I, but I feel like, I mean the whole, the whole, so I, it's that, yeah. The whole thing is so interesting. Like just putting everything into perspective too. I mean, like plants create their own pesticides, right? I mean, that's their defense mechanism in nature. So 99.99% of the pesticides we ingest, are the pesticides produced by the plants themselves. This 0.01% of these synthetic pesticide residues, like, they're not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, why would that be the cause of something? You know, we're ingesting these natural pesticides that plants produce, many of which can kill us. I mean, a a lot of plants that you eat can kill you. Um, Natural doesn't mean that it's, like, just perfectly fine. A lot of things in nature want to kill us. Um, <laughs> that's called, that is I called mean, the circle of life, and that was what the lion, that was what the lion king was about. So. Did, you, did you hear that, vegans? Even the plants will come for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just yeah, kidding. Just, just, just like, kidding. Just you know, like so. One example where GMOs can actually be better. Um, so so uh, so BT corn. Basically, they genetically modified it so that the corn produces a, a pesticide, um, the BT toxin. So that actually prevents mycotoxins from being in the corn, which actually makes it safer because mycotoxins are toxic to humans. So, I mean, like, just because you're introducing something not natural doesn't doesn't automatically make it worse or like worse for the environment or, or less healthy. Doesn't or less to- doesn't toxins make women look younger anyways? Like, isn't that what you guys like? You in- I hate that word toxins. I well, I mean, it's such like, like a buzzword of like, it I, is. I need to detox the toxins. Well, but, but what does like, that even mean? Isn't that, but isn't like, isn't that the material that like people get injected? Like in their face? That would be Botox. Botox. Right. Tox. What, what is the tox? I call it the tox. What is the tox? <laughs> Keeps me looking young. Well, I mean, okay. So like, well, we're so like, and that's the thing. Like I grew up in California, right? So it's like, you know, you got the women who get Botox in California and then like demonize the pesticides. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like you literally There's just see bot in your face right I'm now. Like, exactly. Like you <laughs> just, oh, yeah, I have like a really good chart that I posted on my Facebook. That's like the, the acute toxicity. And it's like the, you know, Botox is like, 
thousands to millions of times more toxic than glyphosate. Yet exactly what <laughs> she said. That's so like, funny. But yeah, you literally inject that into your face. Eat organic and because. <laughs> 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 oh my god that's great it's so but man like how how backwards is that world that we live in right like yeah, and, and that's exactly. you know right. and I know. oh god i just i yeah, feel i feel sad so- for everyone now <laughs> <laughs> well I, yeah, I mean it's like there's so that's the other thing too like there's hazards and then there's risks right so like these chemicals are hazards they can be hazardous but at the levels they, that we are ingesting them at, they're not a risk. Like a good example of a natural hazard versus risk. So there's formaldehyde naturally in apples and pears. Formaldehyde is a hazard. It can be, you know, it can hurt us. However, we know that the levels in apples and pears is not a risk. It's safe. Nobody's going around fear-mongering about formaldehyde and apples and pears like we know it's not a risk i mean how, so, how many apples and pears would i have to eat before the, <laughs> the formaldehyde exactly <laughs> probably even less than you'd have to eat for this pesticide right well i mean um, you know it's funny I, so it's the exact same thing yeah i uh i remember i remember when i was a kid i watched uh do you guys remember the show the magic school bus yes i love that show all right so there was an episode on the magic school bus where arnold like the goof like the class clown arnold he eats like just so many carrots that his skin turns orange. And that's what that made me think of. Like, you know, I have to eat so like these, these pesticide levels are at such a low concentration that I literally have to eat like an entire, like so, so like to the point where like I couldn't even eat enough. Right. To where like the, I said, like I yeah, I've said like the Cheerios and Cheerios are more toxic than the pesticides and Cheerios. Like literally the amazing. Cheerios are more toxic because you'd have to eat a toxic amount of Cheerios before you'd get to the toxic amount of pesticides. Well, then again, we do live in a day and age where teenagers <laughs> sniff baths, uh, eat bath salts and, <laughs> and Tide like, pods and Tide shit. pods yeah. and shit. And then you got fucking, right. I heard today that middle schoolers are carrying around the reverse cards from Uno. So when someone insults them, they can just throw the reverse card at them. And it's like a sick burn, bro. I'm like, I'm going to do that in the office. Wait. <laughs> That's like a thing. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, Grant, I saw, I saw it on social media, so I don't know. I mean, but then again, that's how this, that's how these things start, right? Like these, the, the yeah. fear mongering and the misinformation and the, the, all that stuff gets perpetuated like via this awesome platform that we have literally to push. We don't, I mean, no offense, but like we don't need scientists anymore to do research. We've got the Instagrams. I call it six pack university and everyone thinks that yeah. they can talk about stuff like they know. Sure. Well, I mean, but that's like I said, and that is, that's ultimately, I think why we even have these discussions in the first place is that yes, there is a lot of information out there, which can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Like if you, if your information lacks context, then, you know, that can be detrimental too. And especially if you take that information and then try to perpetuate that, you know, with all of your friends and then, then they talk to their friends and their friends talk to their friends. And then pretty soon, you know, I mean, and for people with like, if you have legitimate medical concerns and that a doctor has prescribed a, or a nutritionist or dietitian has prescribed, not a nutritionist, but a dietitian, we, I, Almost got the evil eyes. I won't smack you this time. Um, but but a registered dietitian nutritionist prescribes you a particular diet. We're not saying you know don't violate that because ultimately what they're talking about is the is the end product nutritional content of what you should be eating. So yes, if you have you know celiacs or whatever, like gluten's probably not going to be good for you. However, 
you know, that doesn't mean that food and GMO, not GMO, healthy, you know, organic, not organic, it all interacts with people differently. And it's and it's on each individual person to kind of, you know, decide ultimately what is best for them, you know, and 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 I'm glad. I mean, we had like we like crushed an hour long discussion and that went by so fast. I know and I still have another question because as yeah. I'm sitting here and we're talking There's groups like the Environmental Working Group and the Non-GMO Project who put all this stuff out there, Mm -hmm. but they really aren't involved in the process. So who actually regulates the industry? How does that work? And then these are, I guess, just kind of third party trying to put information out there. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, like they don't think of the Non-GMO Project and the organic industry as a whole as like, I mean, they're just trying to make money, too. They're a huge industry. They profit off of all this fear-mongering. So the non-GMO project, basically, so I've had to get products verified through them before. Essentially, what you do is you submit to them, like if you're creating a new uh, granola bar, let's say, and you want to have it non-GMO verified, you submit to them all the ingredient documents from the suppliers saying that they are they come from non-GMO sources they essentially take a look at all of that and, and, and give you the non-GMO stamp or they... And you pay, them. I think, a lot of money for and this, correct? you pay correct? a lot of money, yeah. Okay. So, like, they're definitely profiting off of people being afraid of GMOs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, they say that they're trying to educate, but I don't really think that people are really learning much from seeing a non-GMO stamp on something other than, oh, GMOs must be bad. So... Yeah, I mean, it, it's not really educating consumers. And in fact, they profit off of the fact that they're not educated on it because um, people wouldn't be scared of it if they really understood it. They put out this like huge thing of research and it was really interesting in the beginning. They were like, people who defend GMOs are usually aggressive and angry <laughs> and talk very loudly. And I was like, this is in an actual scientific like quote unquote paper of it was just really comical to listen to. Well, the non-GMO project also like right on their website, they say there isn't a scientific consensus on GMOs. They cite, uh, you know, a a paper that they got signed by 300 people saying that's their evidence. That sounds like a petition, not these 300 people don't believe in it. Like that's not, that's not a consent. Like there is a consensus on GMOs that they're just as safe. And they're just as nutritious as their non-GMO counterparts. All I know is that I'm going to be on the lookout for this gluten-free meat that Brooks talks about. Because I just, <laughs> cause I just want to, I just want to walk up there and just be like fear-mongering at its finest, everybody. <laughs> like, like, yeah, come on. I'm just like so fascinated by this topic, and I think, and you've brought this up before, and I really liked the way you put it. You're like, there's a difference between science and how something makes you feel. So if it, you know, yeah. there, if there really isn't the science to say these things are harmful, but it makes you feel better about your choices and you have that mm-hmm. ability to do that, fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But right. it's yeah. interesting to really look at the nitty gritty science. It's just not yeah. there and when they make these ideology for people, right? Like mm-hmm. it was so hard for me to change my mind. Like, I remember going to a conference like, and, and there was a speaker talking about GMOs. This was probably like eight years ago when I was like, you know, like just thought they were horrible. Like, you know, like he was saying the things I'm saying now. And I just like, I was like getting mad, you know, cause like, I was just like, how is, how can you be saying these things? Like, this isn't true. You know, like, you know, cause like, I just wanted to, like, I just believed in it so sure. much, but like my beliefs weren't at all based on science. So like, 
I get it. And I get people that hear things like this and they're just like, what? Like, oh my gosh, you must work for Monsanto. Like there's what, who's, who's paying you? You know, like, it's just like, you can't possibly be saying these things and not be profiting from it. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's it's the, that's, it's what the science shows us. I have, I have, you know, I have no reason to be saying these things other than just trying to get real science out there and get people to stop being afraid of their food. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, why are you mad that I'm telling you that you shouldn't be afraid of these things? Like you should be like, Oh, this is awesome. I don't have to spend all this money on organic anymore. Like I was afraid I was ingesting all these toxic pesticides. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, shouldn't you be happy that like you don't have to be worried about it anymore? So yeah, it's just interesting to me. I mean, it's, I bet you we're yeah. going to get all kinds of hate mail after this episode. <laughs> well, like, well, no, we, we had recently, and I interviewed someone from an integrated and functional medicine side who had obviously like a very differing opinion. And I want to hear, I mean, I obviously want to hear both sides because I'm the type of person where I want to get in all the information, but I'm mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I think that we have to like believe the science. Well, and that's, yeah, be- exactly. Like these things aren't beliefs. They're not opinions. Like right. that's the thing people don't understand. Like, science is science like if your belief goes against what science says like it's not a belief like you're just right. wrong like these things aren't opinions you know what i mean so well, and i think but you, you you brought up an interesting point that i think will ultimately govern the decision making of each individual and and it just it goes to show sometimes just how deep the the fear mongering can impact your your decision making right i mean like the placebo effect wouldn't be a thing if like the belief in right. that what you were doing was actually working so you know the the, the decisions the questions that you should ask when deciding, do I pick, you know, the the nine dollar organic or the four dollar not organic is one nutrition wise, is this something I should be eating? Does this have the nutritional macronutrient content that is going to support the lifestyle that A, I'm either training for or B that I want in my life? Two, does it make me feel better? Like try both right? You'll get, your body is the determining factor for the food that you like. The food that your friend eats has no bearing on your life. That is the food that your friend eats. Your food and your nutrition is your decision to make. So ultimately, may your bodies be the deciding factor. I'm just worried about like, you know, has the fear mongering gotten to the point where human beings just operate as one giant placebo effect and nothing actually really (laughs) does anything. And now you just make me question... The power of the human psyche. Exactly, right? But, but that really is true. Like, like the more you say something doesn't necessarily make it true. That just means that's what people hear all the time. Right, And yeah. therefore, you know, accept it as fact just because they hear it from multiple sources. So, you know, if, if the great lie that, you know, GMOs and organic are in, are in fact, you know, equal – for, for all intents and purposes, you know, minus the, minus the variation within the individual, because I mean, you'll, you'll interact with different food differently. I mean, I just, uh, I feel like I just put a quarter of America out of a job, right? Cause it's, it's a, it's a, it's a billion dollar business, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, these, these, these labels are essentially marketing labels. I mean, like all of the companies that I've worked at that have, you know, gotten their products non-GMO verified and organic certified, it's entirely a marketing decision. Like that decision is placed on the marketing team. Like these aren't, they're not sitting around like, oh, you know, is this healthier? It's like, who's our target market? Is it moms with young children? 
non-GMO and organic. You know what I mean? Like these are marketing Avoid the vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a whole nother argument well, podcast but it's topic. it's funny because like even like I remember having, I remember having this conversation like both after my son and daughter were both born and the, the big conversation between like, like the moms from generation onward from, you know, well now ex-wife, um, mother, grandmother was, do you breastfeed or bottle feed? And it was like, you know, grandmother off the breast as fast as possible. Mother on the breast as bath or excuse me, other way around. Grandmother breastfed as long as possible. Mother, because she had to work now had to incorporate bottle feeding into children. And then there, yeah. you know, the advice that you, you know, you're, you're getting as a, a 20 something year old mom from two generations that have literally done things two different ways. Ultimately right. the end result well, your grandmother grew up okay, and your mom yeah. grew up okay. So guess what? What do you feel better about? What exactly. works for your, what works I, for your lifestyle? What works for your lifestyle is the ultimate right. decision to make. So, but I feel like that exactly plays. You know, bottle feeding, genetically modified organism, not organic, right? It's not breast milk yeah. versus organic. You know, breastfeeding. So it's like ultimately both yield a certain result, but people feel yeah. so passionately about it because well, there's definitely benefits to breastfeeding. Well, I, I'm, so all we're I'm not even I'm not even to go down that road. Well, I, there all, is I'm, benefits. all I'm saying, I mean, actually, the science doesn't support that. But well, right after that. birth, I do believe <laughs> that that's important part. In any uh, what uh, the only point I'm trying again, I don't, I don't, I just look at what I see, right? And I see two generations of individuals: the the elderly grandparent generation, which is now well into their 80s, 90s, and a parent generation that you know has is raising kids or has been raised that other way. And ultimately, they're both generally trending in the same direction. I mean, unless unless our generation averages, you know, a life expectancy of like 110 years old, obviously we did something better if we're increasing longevity of life by, you know, 20 plus years, which some people are claiming yeah, to do. Yeah, there but actually have been interesting studies like on the, you know, breast versus bottle. And it actually comes down to the fact that most moms that breastfeed are typically, you know, in a better situation financially, have more education. Well, yeah, because they're sitting so, there pumping milk out so of them. So that actually, yeah, has to do right? more with like the end result than right. like and whether they were breastfed or oh, not. Oh man, see, this is this is like, I, oh man, we've we've been we could, we could probably go down this rabbit hole forever <laughs> because because ultimately, you know, and it, it it plays into every single thing that we do, um, and yeah, I man, it all just ties back to like we intuitively just believe if it's natural, it's better. If it's not natural, it's worse. And, it, and, and that's just, it's just not true. There's a lot of natural things that are really toxic can kill us. And there's a lot of, you know, technology that has allowed us to live longer. I mean, that's the reason why we live longer. Yeah. So, and I think it's hard for me. It is hard for me to wrap my head around. I think I'm more confused now. About well, the, and, like the more information uh, I get, the more science I get, I'm like, well, damn, well, like, sure. you got to well, think about it. So opposite to like what we just think, you know, right. like, how can these things be like, fine. Like you just, you just think like, you know, like something that's just so unnatural, like there's gotta be something that we're not, that we haven't figured out yet. But like when you really understand like the details of it and what the end result is, through all these genetic modification techniques, like the end result is the same, you know, the same as like what the natural method is creating. So 
yeah, it's just this, like, like you said before, like the fear, like, I don't understand what's going on in that lab. So it scares me, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Well, I mean, in the end of the day, I mean, if you just, again, like, and it comes down to, like I said, I, I just use logic and general observation as my guiding principle. And if I, if I use that and looked at like, okay, you know, 300 years ago, the life expectancy of a human being wasn't very high, or at least not as high as it is now. So generally speaking, if the population of the world is increasing exponentially, then the duration of life is longer and people are not dying as fast, right? And if anything, we've developed so many techniques, be it health and nutrition, fitness, wellness, medicine, to extend life, right? Because ultimately that's the goal... The goal of nutrition and fitness is to extend life. So by by doing these things to our food, yes, we have extended life. Now, have have certain problems arisen recently or within the last several generations that might not have been as prevalent as before? Sure. But you can also probably get that by manipulating statistics and be like, well, now there's more people. So you have a yeah, larger test like, base. Yeah. I mean, another thing, too, is like everything comes with risk, right? I mean, like these things aren't completely risk-free. Um, all of these all these things carry a certain amount of risk. So it's just a risk benefit analysis. Like, okay, we can feed X amount more people. If we do this, there might be a few risks. I mean, yeah. I mean, vaccines are risk analysis. You know what I mean? Like right. everything is a risk no, analysis. No, a hundred percent. And, and I think so, ultimately yeah. we can all agree no matter what, that the, the, the guiding principle of making a decision, one, shouldn't be lack of information, therefore causing fear, right? That's a natural human beings will fear the unknown because that's just, that's what human beings are wired to do. So if there's something that you don't know, if anything, you are obligated to do research. And yes, there's a lot of research out there, good, bad, and different, you know, social media, not social media, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, when it comes to nutrition-based research, consult your own body, right? Like, I mean, here's the thing, like you are taking in your food, there are experts out there who can absolutely provide you an opinion and guidance based on their research and their analysis. Um, and, but ultimately like, yeah, like if, if all that is true and organic and non-organic could, you know, in many ways be similar, ultimately the determining factor is how it interacts with me. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, and you mentioned you're like some things I like better, you know, what organic yeah. versus not. And, you know, I mean, there is no Reese's yeah. puffs, Oreo, cereal tree and if, and if i want to <laughs> eat if there was i would there, plant if one. there was i would plant one right so it's like if i want to and, and that's and i mean god oh man there's so much stuff you can go down there because because that you know we've we've created food as almost now like a not natural experience right we've we've you know we and we've talked about this i think on several past podcasts but food now has become a staple of culture that far exceeds the nutritional value you know, it's right. not food just doesn't sustain life anymore. Food brings people together. You it's know, a social. There's no thing. there's no birthday cake plants, right? So it's like right. if you if unless you want to eat you know freaking broccoli, you know, on your <laughs> which you can, but like no one's gonna come to that party. Everyone's gonna come to the party with the ice cream, the cake, right. you know, all these all these things that are sweet and just not natural to the human palate. So right. you know, and and to say no to that. I mean, you'll probably have a lot of really upset children who will just be like, yeah. well, my birthday party sucks because mom's <laughs> serving fucking asparagus and broccoli to all my friends. And, and, and you're not, and you don't want to put up with that. So it's like, so these things are in our lives to stay, whether we want them there or not. 
good, bad, or indifferent, you know, time will always tell what's best. And I mean, ultimately, you know, the goal of fitness and nutrition and longevity is just to be on this planet longer, you know? So, you know, we'll do as a race, we will continue to develop practices and techniques that will allow for the, the survival of the greatest amount of people. Now, you know, do you also need to watch the nutritional density of your food and like take in what you need as opposed to this, you know, enormous amount of excess that causes all kinds of other problems? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. And like that's definitely more important if you're trying to be healthy than avoiding. Right. E- exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, okay, so you're overweight and you're avoiding GMOs. Like the fact that you're overweight is going to be more exactly. to your that, health than like eating GMOs, right. you know? And that's, you know that's what a, I mean? It's just like these things that like, it's a healthy halo. Like, even though all these other things are actually more detrimental to my health, I think eating or, you know, like you can get obese off of eating completely organic non-GMO foods. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's a and good like, point. that's going to be more detrimental to your health than, you know, like, eating GMOs because there's nothing wrong with them. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Like the the certain people that avoid these things and then it's, you know, it's like, it has nothing, you know, it has no effect, you know, like what you're actually eating has more effect on your health than like organic versus conventional GMO, non-GMO, you know, one billionth of a pesticide that could be present. Well, but exactly. We, we thrive based on minority based problems, you know, like that's what gathers a lot of it. Like those are hot, those are the hot, like the hot button issues in the world right now are things that honestly, such a tiny percent of the world actually experience. Well, because we want to blame the problem of obesity and all these, you know, chronic inflammation related diseases to something. So it's easier to like pinpoint and be like, Oh, it's right. be, it's yeah. this. It's, it's that. the pesticides in my food yeah. that made me overweight, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, like, yeah exactly. they just no, want something is. to attack. Like, exactly, I think. like oh, highly processed foods. I'm not saying like everyone should be eating highly processed foods, but at the same time, like this isn't the reason why people are obese. Like it's just the fact that you're eating too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But that, but this, this whole fear like drives people sometimes to eat less of the healthy things they should be eating like the produce you know what i mean it's like people are afraid they're getting harmful pesticides when in reality it's way more harmful to your health to be avoiding these fruits and vegetables because you think that there's harmful pesticides on them either that or we've just been completely infiltrated by the food industry (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just blown away i think Um, this is awesome getting to talk to you i'm like mind blown but Uh, It also, I think, opens a whole nother can of worms about the food industry and how much marketing goes into things and, you know. Yeah, it's insane. Like, when you work in the food industry, and it's it's frustrating to be a scientist. Typically, food scientists and and the marketing teams don't really uh, get along, but... (laughs) I could see that. I can't imagine why that's the case. And I actually, I do a lot of, um, so a lot of my consulting work now, um, I I create nutrition panels for foods and then I I kind of proof packages to make sure that their claims are actually claims they can be making. And and so it's difficult for me because like there's claims that you can make legally Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that I'm like, oh, you really shouldn't be doing that. But like legally, you can, you know, so it's like, I have to be like, oh yeah, that's perfectly fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like just so much of this marketing stuff is like, that's all it is. It's just marketing and people that don't know any better, you know, they look at it, they're like, oh, this is healthy. You know what I mean? And, 
and it's not, you know, or it's not any healthier than, than something that, you know, doesn't have all that marketing on it. So, mm-hmm. oh, well, fear mongering is not science. That's fear mongering. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. Well, I, man, that was such a great discussion. I, I definitely think there is room for a part two where we can kind of explore some of these one offs that we've kind of tossed out there is. And know. I feel like, you know, please send us questions um, because we can we can totally bounce off of that and follow at Food Science Babe. I love all the stuff you post. I was cracking up about the wine. I will still consume oh, yeah. wine oh, if there's gosh. a Roundup in it. You better oh, believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's you, by the way, if you're concerned about uh, Roundup in your known carcinogen alcohol, you'd have to drink 300 gallons of wine a day. Oh God. <laughs> cause any effect so challenge accepted <laughs> i'm just kidding by organic alcohol millennials please don't do that <laughs> this is not the next side pot challenge no, it's don't not. listen <laughs> all right guys so with that man i think we we really got a great episode here so at food science babe follow you on instagram uh, i think we'll definitely have you back for a part two again please send us all your questions and Get your kids vaccinated. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're not kidding. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> All right, guys. No, yeah, I, actually, I'm not kidding. Please, please do vaccinate your children. <laughs> All right, guys. Until then, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>